What's up, Irish fans, and welcome back to another episode of The Slauncher Out. I'm your host, Jack Lenny, and we've got another great episode for you today. Nathan Erbach and Andrew Hall joined the podcast to talk about Notre Dame's recent pro day and to project where some of the players are going to end up in the upcoming NFL draft. Before we get to that conversation, we have a quick word about Anchor. I'm now joined by Nathan Erbach and Andrew Hall. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I'm doing all right. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Yeah, glad to, to get you guys on. Um, we did a similar episode last year with a couple other writers from Slot to Sign. And Nathan, I, I can't remember specifically if you were a part of that podcast or not, but Essentially, you know, right around draft time, everyone's throwing out mock drafts. You know, it seems like there's just a new one every single day up until we get to the actual draft. So it seems like a good time. Um, you know, we're one week removed from Notre Dame's Pro Day that they held on campus. Um, so it seems like a good time to kind of delve into the upcoming NFL draft and talk about where we think some of these Notre Dame players are going to land. Um, so to start this conversation, I, I did want to quickly touch on the pro day that Notre Dame held uh, last week. Um, so the NFL combine, uh, if you guys didn't know, was essentially canceled. And, and what happened was individual teams just, just held their own pro days on campus um, and scouts just kind of traveled around or uh, watched virtually um, as the guys, uh, as players went through some of the same drills that they would have at the NFL combine and then had the opportunity to like meet with players one-on-one and in virtual meetings afterwards. Um, So Notre Dame, like I mentioned, was last week on the 31st of March. Um, So to start, let's just go through um, a couple of guys who you think might've had a, a a solid pro day might've boosted their, their draft stock a bit. Nathan, we could start with you. Anyone in particular that you thought um, kind of, jumped off the page and, and posed some good numbers? I mean, I think the one that surprised me the most was Nick McLeod running, you know, in the, the high four threes, low four fours. I mean, I think uh, his official time um, on some NFL numbers was like a four, four, five. Uh, but Notre Dame had him listed at a four, three, seven. And, you know, he was a guy that, you know, I think from a Notre Dame fan standpoint, we all thought that, you know, a late round pick for him, you know, might be doable. He was a really good player for Notre Dame this year as a, as a grad transfer from North Carolina state, Um, you know, but he was probably a sixth, seventh rounder, maybe, maybe a UDFA, uh, maybe even probably a UDFA. Um, And I think that a time like that, you know, is always going to, you know, catch the attention of, of NFL teams. I mean, I know the kind of the running joke, you know, in Raider land is, you know, anytime someone runs a 4-3, a they want to draft him. So, um, you know, it's, it's so it certainly um, catches the attention. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, I think scouts and, you know, NFL draft analysts and stuff like that are were probably rushing to the, you know, to the film room to maybe check, check him again. Um, and, and, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a bump in their grades. Um, and then other than that, I mean, this isn't a guy that probably raised his stock by any means, but definitely solidified it. And that was Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some teams out there that don't see him as a fit 
um, for whatever reason. I'm just he's you know he's kind of that that hybrid safety linebacker type, which is you know becoming more and more common in uh, you know in the NFL. Um, but it definitely is going to take a certain team. Um, and I think Brian Kelly even mentioned this uh, during the during their pro day is just, you know, he's not going to fit every team because not every team's going to be able to or, or is going to figure out how to use him correctly. And, you know, but there's definitely a few teams um, in the first round specifically that um, I think he would do really well, uh, really well with. And, you know, I could see him going anywhere from, you know, top 10 to the end of the first round. And Andrew, what about you? Were there any guys that impressed you from Notre Dame's pro day? Yeah, so I would definitely agree with uh, with uh, with those. Um, Tommy Tremble was one uh, running the four five uh, nine, um, and with a thirty six and a half inch vertical and a ten two broad jump. I think he really showed uh, how athletic he is um, to go along with the ferocious blocking that is already on film. So I think he did a great job at kind of showcasing the potential that's probably there. And we heard, you know, a lot from the coaches throughout the year that Trimble was in the game plan, but then that would never really show up on Saturday. He would sometimes have some drops early in the game, but I think um, in the long run, I think he really could be uh, one of the best, you know, pro tight ends to come out of this uh, draft class. Uh, and then the other one I'll go with is Ian Book. Uh, you know, I think, you know, they did a lot of comparisons during the broadcast um, for his athleticism. He wanted to make the Baker Mayfield comparison, and uh, he showed that he's actually much more athletic than Baker Mayfield is. And I think um, if you've watched Ian Book, you probably realize that he's pretty darn athletic. Um, but uh, some of those numbers, I think, really solidify um, that idea. And again, kind of how uh, we were talking about with McLeod, you know, hopefully that solidifies him more as a draft pick as opposed to a undrafted free agent. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring up book if, if you didn't mention him as well, but I did see, um, I think it was a graphic that either pro football focus or, or one other outlet put out um, just putting a side by side with Ian books. I believe it was his 40 and his shuttle time compared to what Baker Mayfield did uh, when when he participated in the combine. And he posted better times in both. And, and really, I mean, if you look at them, you know, in-game, um, I don't think most people would necessarily predict that would be the case. But, um, but yeah, I think that certainly uh, – I, I mean, a guy like Book was probably, you know, at best going to be somewhere in, in those uh, middle rounds. Um, but – to kind of just solidify and, and showcase his athleticism where, you know, something that sometimes he, he got a little bit of a knock for and, and kind of unfairly, but um, to, to be able to, to get those times on, on record is I, I thought was a, a big win for him. Um, a couple other guys, uh, another guy who uh, has a, probably a, a decent chance of also going undrafted, uh, but, was a little bit surprising to see the numbers he put up was Brock Wright. Um, I mean, if you look at him uh, side by side with, with Tommy Tremble, he was like a hundredth of a second slower in the 40. Uh, we didn't have his times to compare with, with Tremble in the shuttle and three cone, but he had solid times there as well. And then put up 26 reps on the bench press. Um, I don't know if that necessarily gets him 
you know, earns him a, a spot in, in the draft, but um, just given the level of, of product that no names put out the tight end position, I think he will not have a hard time, um, you know, getting an invite to, to a training camp following the conclusion of the draft. Um, so I, I was happy to see what he did there. Um, same with those, those guys you mentioned. Uh, I thought also um, Dalen Hayes kind of solidified his, his spot as um, being another guy who's, who's probably going to be taken either, you know, sometime in day two or, or early day three, um, you know, just, I guess not not a whole lot to to boost his stock, but you know, going out there and and performing at a level that kind of, you know, kind of uh, solidifies your, your your chances a bit heading into the draft. Um, I guess on on the flip side, before we um, switch focus to the draft, were there any guys who you were a little bit underwhelmed by their performance on Notre Dame's pro day last week? Uh, Nathan, we can start with you. I don't know if I would ever say, at least from this pro day's. Um, perspective that anybody underwhelmed um, I do know at least with with Eichenberg I think the um, the length came in a little bit um, you know less than what people would would want uh, for a tackle prospect I know 33 is sort of that threshold and uh, he came in at like I think like 32 and three eighths um, so you're probably going to get some scouts out there that like him at guard or or pigeonhole him to right tackle versus being a left tackle. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily hurts his stock. I mean, obviously I think he would make a tremendous guard at the next level um, and he'd be a really good right tackle at the next level as well. So, um, but we all know kind of like the blind side protection, you know, most quarterbacks are right-handed. So, um, you know, if, if you're not a left tackle, sometimes that brings you down a little bit, but, uh, but no, I mean, I think he's really the only guy and it really wasn't anything he, did or didn't do is more so just maybe some of his measurements came in a little bit less than uh, desirable for the left tackle spot. And Andrew, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I actually really don't have anybody that I would say was, you know, was a disappointment or that truly hurt themselves. I think everybody on uh, this pro day list really just kind of, I think solidified um, if not helped slightly um, for where they were. I did hear, um, uh, in a similar uh, concern um, about, you know, Ade Ogundeji and, um, you know, his overall um, wingspan and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, again, those aren't, but those aren't really, you know, disappointments. Those are, you know, that's just the way that you were, uh, you were born. I guess so. And nothing you can do about that. You were born as a gifted athlete, just uh, with uh, not uh, as long enough arms as uh, you know the top ten pick. Yeah, and I think I mean obviously, <laughs> you know, we don't want to like nitpick, but another a couple of just like individual um, metrics uh, to add to that. Um, Aaron Banks on the bench press putting up twenty four reps, which is kind of like just below that threshold that I think a lot of scouts look for. But at the same time, you know, we have seen instances of other um, highly regarded offensive line prospects, like not really blowing people away in the bench press. Um, but I thought that, you know, he kind of just missed the mark there. Uh, and then Javon McKinley running a four, five, seven. I, I had, uh, I was kind of holding out hope that he was going to get 
um, hit a number sub four or five, kind of like what we saw with, with Miles Boykin when he, when he was in the combine. Um, I've written an article for Slop the Sign about players who I thought had a chance to, to really boost their draft stock um, it, at Notre Dame's Pro Day. And I had mentioned McKinley and uh, put emphasis on his, his 40 time. And so I was hoping he, he would kind of just, you know, kind of shock us and, and uh, put up a good number there. And four, five, seven is, is respectable, but um, I, I think he's still probably in the uh, undrafted free agent realm um, and, and kind of on the, on the outside looking. And whereas if he was able to run sub four five, he might get a, a second look, but Again, those things are just kind of kind of nitpicking, but um, just a couple of things that I I had noticed when when those numbers were posted. All right, shifting focus to the draft. Um, I also wanted to just kind of go go through a couple of these guys and and talk about what we think. Um, I guess we could talk, you know, like the high end where we think they might get picked, uh, and also the low end, kind of like a ceiling floor. Uh, what range we we think the the likelihood where they're going to be selected. So let's start on the defensive side of the ball, and we could start with the, I guess, highest profile uh, Notre Dame prospect in this draft, which is Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Um, most mock drafts that you see are going to happen somewhere in the middle of the first round, although I did just see one from CBS Sports today that has him uh, in the second round, which I thought – uh, was a, a bit of a stretch because I mean, if, <laughs> if all those teams pass on him in the first round, I think, uh, I think some people might get fired uh, based on how good we think he's going to be. So uh, Andrew, we can start with you here where I guess, you know, you don't have to give like a specific pick, but I guess kind of like a range um, where you think uh, Owusu Koromo is going to end up in this NFL draft. Yeah. Well, when I was prepping uh, kind of last night, I, I wrote down, between uh, 15 and 32. Um, Todd McShay's latest uh, had him at 15th. Um, I'm guessing, uh, and Nate kind of touched on this, uh, he is almost kind of like a luxury, I I would say, in a way. He is a weapon for a defense that is already established. He's not going to fit in at a certain spot. So you're going to want to have a solid defense in place before you pick uh, JOK. And then, because he is a kind of a chess piece that you move around um, as opposed to, I think someone who you completely build a defense uh, around as your cornerstone. So I'm, I would be really shocked uh, if he fell out of the first round, but I really think once you get to those teams who made the playoffs, who could use a guy who is going to be a, a game changer, um, I think that's when he'll go. Uh, so my guess is it's going to end up probably uh, much later in the, in the first round, but anywhere between the, the first half and the end of the first round. And Nathan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. Um, I keep hearing over the last couple of weeks just from, you know, reading different mock drafts and some just different guys in the industry that are a little bit more informed. Um, that a lot of them have just saying there's not necessarily like the perfect fit for him, and that's why he might slide down boards. Um, but my kind of like bold prediction is you're going to find someone that maybe trades up into like the first round. Um, you know, in like the picks, like from like maybe 20 to 32 range um, that say, you know what, like 
we don't know where he's going to fall to. He might fall to the second round, but if he does, it's he's going to get swooped up early just because it's a he 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 most likely becomes a team second pick versus their first pick. So it's a lot easier to just take that gamble on, um, you know, putting him in your defense and and finding a way to finding a way to use him correctly. Um, no, no, I just have I have a weird feeling that someone he's going to fall to like 23, 24, and then someone's going to say screw it and you know and, and trade some draft capital to come up and get him. Uh, and that's kind of where I see him going is kind of in the uh, anywhere from like the twenty to thirty two range. Yeah, I think I mean it's it's always t- tough to like pinpoint right where. Uh, these guys are going to end up, um, I think. And uh, Brad Weiss, who's the site expert at Slap the Sign, is also a, a Raiders fan. Um, and so he, I know, is holding out hope that that the Raiders will will sk- will pick him at, at number 17 in, in the first round where, where they're at right now. Um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a Dolphins fan. And when they were making moves uh, a week ago or so, they at one point had swapped to, I believe it was 12 or, or, or somewhere in that yeah. range. And they also have another one in the teens. Um, and so with that, I was like, all right, you know, we got a decent chance that, you know, he's at least in consideration there. Um, and it is kind of tough to, to peg a guy like him just because, um, you know, and we could talk about um, some other players who fit kind of more hybrid roles on the offensive side as well. But like, that's kind of like where he is, where um, it's, I, I think uh, some teams in the NFL, you know, you, you need to, I guess, have either some kind of defined role for him on a defense or at least the coach is open enough to, you know, kind of adjusting their scheme to, to fit a player right. like this. Um, but I mean, if you're able to do so, he, he brings a ton of value. So I think, um, yeah, as soon as we get into the teens, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to hear his name anywhere there. Um, and if he does fall to the latter half of or the, you know, towards the end of that first round, I think some team's going to get a lot of value in that pick. Um, sorry, did you have anything to add there, Andrew? Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just not that this is a uh, like super analysis, but it, he it feels like a, a player who will go to a team like the Steelers who they have had like a well, you know, established uh, franchise. They've been successful for a long time. And then you're like, man, why did, uh, you know, 22 teams pass on this guy who is the defensive, um, you know, rookie of the year. And then, you know, becomes an all pro all the time. Uh, That's essentially how it feels like to me, um, you know, how it'll end up going. And uh, I'm sure, It'll be a headache for the people who, uh, who pass on them. Definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to the the defensive end. So Dalen Hayes and Addy Ogundeji, who I've seen kind of like flip flopped in you know overall big boards on on some different sites, um, and they're gonna you know fall. <laughs> these guys seem tough to kind of predict again because. Uh, while they both play defensive end, they're kind of two different uh, forms of defensive end where you got a guy like Ade, who's a little bit of a bigger, um, can play strong side defensive end, and Dalen Hayes, who more, who's more of, you know, what you call just like an edge defender and kind of uh, either like an overhang linebacker in a 3-4 or um, a, a weak side end. Um, so 
Nathan, we could start with you here. Where do you think, um, and you could start with either player, where do you think these guys are going to end up? Um, and I guess who, who do you think is going to be selected? First? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that Andrew mentioned the Steelers because that's kind of where I was going to go with, with both of these guys is sort of the Steelers Ravens type of players where they end up swooping them in like, you know, late day two, early day three, and they turn into, you know, really good players down the line once they finally have, you know, maybe a starting opportunity in those defenses, um, you know, and specifically with those two teams, both, both lost, um, you know, defensive ends this year with uh, the Ravens losing Matt Judon and the Steelers losing Bud Dupree. And so they just seem like good fits in the middle rounds for those two guys um, or for those two teams. But as for, as for where they might end up um, kind of sliding in the draft, you know, it was weird before, before all the combine pro day talk, um, you know, there were some kind of early rumors that Ogan Deje could maybe slide up some boards just because he had some length. Um, and he was a guy that maybe could have produced at a higher level at Notre Dame if there was more opportunity for him to. And um, so, you know, it's, I actually mock draft, I think probably a couple months ago that had him in the first round. And even though I didn't think that that was a likelihood, you know, there's always kind of, a guy here and there that get drafted in the first round or early second round. That's sort of a surprise. And I wouldn't necessarily put that on him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was maybe like a late day um, or, or a late round two pick um, or, or a late day two pick or sorry, a late day two pick early day three pick. Um, so somewhere in that second round to, or late second round to, uh, you know, like maybe early fourth round range. Um, and I kind of tend to feel the same way about Hayes. Um, maybe a little bit more third to fifth with him, uh, specifically because of the shoulder injuries and um, the fact that he didn't really show the knack of getting to the quarterback consistently, um, you know, even though he kind of did it in spurts here and there at Notre Dame. Um, but he's another guy kind of like, um, like Jock that you're going to have to make sure you have a role for him because you can't just put him on the edge and say, hey, rush the passer on third down. He's a guy that, you know, he's going to drop in coverage and provide, you know, some value covering tight ends and slot receivers. Um, and then he's a guy that, you know, obviously pretty steady against the run as, as well as Ogundeje. So um, I, I see both of those guys kind of squarely in the, the late day two, um, early day three mix and maybe, maybe squeaking a little bit um, farther down if, if there's just not a, um, a team that, that jumps on them. And Andrew, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm less optimistic on uh, uh, Hayes and Ogundeji. Um I think they both will be day three. Um, I do think that Ogundeji will definitely be the first of the two taken. And I, I kind of agree that it's probably <clears> – <throat> in that uh, fourth or fifth round. Um, I think another important thing that scouts may look at is he, he is, uh, he's still barely played uh, a lot of football. I forget how many years he had actually played in high school, but I don't think it was four years of high school. I think he had only played a couple of years of high school. Um, you know, he redshirted at Notre Dame. It took him a little bit to uh, make an impact. Uh, so he could potentially, uh, just be hitting the surface of the football player that he can be. Um, and, you know, Hayes, he brings, uh, you know, some great, obviously, intangibles. I think 
he is someone that you're going to want in the locker room. Um, who's a great leader. Um, obviously all the stuff that he had done, uh, off the field, uh, last year at this time, uh, I think would be a very welcome in the locker room, but I definitely think that, you know, that, uh, the times where Hayes just kind of disappears, um, will be probably what hurts him. And then overall what his, you know, his injuries are going to push him, um, later on in day, day three. And I mean, to be completely honest, I would not be surprised if he would go on undrafted. Um, overall, I, I would still say it's going to be a day three pick somewhere in that five to seven range. Yeah. Hayes has been kind of, um, he's had an interesting, like, I guess, circuit uh, pre pre draft right. pro day, because, you know, right around the, the days of all the, the senior bowl practices and during the senior bowl, he got like a ton of buzz. And I, I remember like a, a couple of reporters even there were just like, Hey, don't be surprised if he's even a, a mid to late second round pick. And I remember just being shocked <laughs> to hear that because, um, you know, prior to all that, uh, based just based on his production, I mean, I always figured he had a decent shot of getting drafted, but um, hadn't really thought of him with, uh, you know, being selected that high. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if Hayes went before Ogundeji, but um, I, I think uh, you guys both make good points about Ogundeji being uh, probably, I guess, more prototypical type prospect. And Andrew, um, I hadn't even, uh, I, I forgot about the, the fact that Ogundeji still, I mean, relatively new to football. So that is certainly an angle that some scouts can can look at and see, hey, this guy's still got room for growth. Um, and uh, just being in, in the frame that he is and, you know, he's got a still got a great motor. Um, so I, I could uh, I, w- I really um, would be surprised seeing them go in in any particular order. Um, but, yeah, somewhere to in the middle to late rounds is in all likelihood where they're going to end up. Um, I, I do like both players chances of getting drafted. Um, uh, but yeah, kind of th- these guys are, are, have been a little bit tougher to, to Jack, I have a kind of an extra point on that. Um, if you have a, um, I, yeah, you, you made it. a you made a kind of a good point when you mentioned, you know, with, with Hayes and even Ogandeja at the senior bowl, I think they both kind of created some buzz there. Um, and it, and it's interesting. I mean, I still think recruiting rankings coming out of high school play a little bit of a role um, when it comes to, to the draft. Um, obviously, especially if the player produced at the college level and, or, or was a, you know, just a, a successful college player, I should say. And with Hayes specifically, I mean, he was a guy that was a five-star on rivals and came in with a, um, you know, really impressive, um, I should say, um, like at, attributes when it came to, his um, not necessarily his measurables, but like his athleticism and his speed. And I think he backed that up on his pro day running kind of in, I think he ran low four sixes, um, high four fives, um, which is really impressive for, you know, for a defensive end. And, and I think scouts see that sometimes with a guy like him and think that, you know what, maybe Notre Dame wasn't able to get the most out of him partly because of injuries, but he's a high upside play in those middle rounds where, if we can hit on him there, you know, he's, he's a guy that we're looking back on five years down the road as, you know, maybe he should have been a first round pick just strictly from his athleticism profile. Um, and then Ogan Deje is a little bit different in that respect, but also similar. He's not necessarily the athletic freak, 
that Hayes is, um, you know, at least at the collegiate level. But he has the wingspan and the arm length that teams look at and they say, wow. I mean, I think it was like an 84 um, is um, for his uh, – help me out here, guys. I can't think of the word. Um, his wingspan, wingspan. Yeah, his wingspan was 84, yeah. which I know a lot of people were really impressed with. And so that's another guy that they're like, you know what, if we can find a way to kind of hone him, hone him in and have him utilize, you know, just different pass rush, pass rush techniques, um, you know, five, six years down the line, you're looking at another guy who outplays his draft stock significantly. So they both didn't necessarily have the production at the college level to justify first, second, um, you know, and even necessarily like third or fourth round picks. And that's why they might slide down the draft, but they have, these specific traits that you know scouts look at and you know it takes one team to to fall in love with those traits yeah yeah all all very good points um certainly going to be very interesting to see see where these guys end up and the the early careers that they have at the next level um moving to the defensive back so we nick mcleod who we, we we talked about briefly and his performance at the pro day and Sean Crawford as well, who in all likelihood is, is going to go undrafted, although um, I really hope he, he does get a, a shot to make an NFL roster because, um, I mean, hard to, hard to not root for a player like that. Dude's just resilient as hell. Um, even if he just, you know, can like win a job on like a, a special teams unit or something like that, I think um, would be, would be cool to see. Um, but with, let's start with Nick McLeod. Um, I, I, don't recall exactly how he was kind of perceived prior to, you know, running a, a four, three, seven in the, in the 40 at Notre Dame's pro day. Um, I think he probably just given his, his size probably had a, a, a solid chance of getting drafted um, because he is a bigger defensive back. Um, but, uh, and Andrew, we could start with you here. Um, where do you think he's going to, to end up? Yeah, I think he'll be a, a day three pick, but I think his uh, 40 time uh, really helped him uh, to solidify uh, him getting drafted. I think, you know, his medicals are going to be important. Obviously, he was hurt um, prior to coming to Notre Dame. That's actually what gave him the opportunity uh, to play for the Irish in 2020 and then he kind of had some nagging injuries um this season and and part of whatever that is and so these are the kind of the information that we never have access to is you know how you know what was that injury like how much did that affect him um because you always see you know i always feel for the guy who goes out there and plays for hard for his team and may not always show the best for NFL scouts. Um, but, you know, what you may not see is, oh, well, he's had uh, this uh, hamstring injury the entire time. And I know that uh, McLeod definitely was dealing with injuries. I think, you know, even uh, from the uh, the UCF game, um, or not USF game uh, forward, um, and throughout the year. So, I think whatever the answers to those are, and obviously scouts are going to be able to talk about uh, that with McLeod and, and his agents and uh, obviously the coaches at Notre Dame. So I think that will be really critical to, you know, where he lands during that day three. 
And Nathan, what about you? Where do you think McLeod is? Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat there. I think McLeod is was probably somewhere in the range of a sixth, seventh round pick and maybe even a UDFA before the pro day. Um, and, you know, like fa- fast corners are kind of like fast receivers. If you run, if you run a really good uh, 40 time at the combine or something like that, then, then all of a sudden you get, you get put on radars that you weren't necessarily on. And so any corner that has the size that McLeod has, and then also backs that up in the, in the, uh, in the speed department, um, you know, you're going to get some looks that maybe you weren't getting before. So, um, so I would say definitely, um, you know, day three pick, um, maybe even possibly still a UDFA, but uh, probably a high profile UDFA at that. And um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's pretty much where he's, where he's kind of solidified at right now. Yeah, I think we're all in, in somewhat of agreeance, uh, but, but yeah, I think he uh, certainly uh, significantly increases chances of getting drafted uh, after his pro day. All right, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball and we can start with, quarterback Ian Book. Um, he, I, I, I was just looking through Pro Football Focus's big board um, today, and he's, they have him as the, they ranked him last out of all the quarterbacks um, in the draft, at least all of the, the ones that they've ranked um, behind, behind the likes of Felipe Franks and Sam Ellinger, which I, I don't uh, necessarily understand, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their own op- opinion. Um, so he, I, I mean, we, we talked about his pro day and him being able to showcase his athleticism, which I think really is going to end up helping him um, as we approach the, the draft. And uh, I forget who was, who was talking about it, but, um, essentially what they see is Ian book as an option for a team to pick, um, not really to come in and compete for the starting job, but just to be a solid backup in a system that's already designed for a more mobile quarterback. So think a team that think of teams that already have mobile quarterbacks like Cleveland, um, even like Arizona teams like that, where, uh, you know, they don't really, you know, they're comfortable with who their starter is right now, but might want to just backfill another guy with similar athleticism who, uh, in case of injury, can come in and, and they could still run a similar system. Um, Nathan, we could start with you on this one. Where where do you see Book ending up in the draft? Um, I think first and foremost, I mean, quarterbacks always get pushed up draft boards. And I think I was reading something the other day that said about like on average 14 or 13 quarterbacks get drafted every year. Um, and I think book is definitely in the top, you know, 10 to 13 quarterbacks um, in this year's draft. So just from that standpoint, I think that he's, you know, very likely getting drafted this year. Um, and, and I think he could even get pushed into this, you know, third, fourth, fifth round territory, where before I was thinking, you know, maybe sixth, seventh UDFA type, um, you know, obviously the last couple games of his career really helped, uh, really helped him overall. Um, and then backing up, you know, the athleticism that he showed throughout his uh, Notre Dame career on his pro day, um, you know, certainly helps as well. And um, I think the other thing is, is I think him coming in at a legit six foot, um, you know, not anything, not, I mean, I think he was actually six foot, like no, not six foot and three ace or whatever, not five eleven and, you know, three fourths or whatever. I mean, I think him coming in at a legit six foot though helps him um, just to show that he does have maybe a little bit more size than people thought. 
Um, and he's certainly not a scrawny kid. He's not a guy that, you know, is like, you know, you always talk about like the guys like Zach Wilson. And I think, uh, you know, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, when he was in the draft, they were guys that were a little bit lengthier, but you know, were like 200 pounds books, a legit, like six foot, um, you know, 210, 215. So that, that, that helps him a little bit too. Cause he, he shows that he can probably hold up, um, you know, when getting hit in the pocket or something like that. So, um, no, I think, I mean, I think there's a good chance that he's like the eighth or ninth quarterback off the board. Um, you know, I think which usually puts you in those middle rounds. Andrew, how about you? Yeah, so I, I think it'll be the sixth or seventh round. Um, I think, uh, and the only reason that I, I'm really stuck on that is, is I can't get over a world where like a guy like Jake Fromm will be drafted in the fifth round and somehow Ian Book would be drafted higher than that. Um, that's just where I'm coming from <clears throat> for book. Uh, I think he's done uh, an excellent job. I think 2020, um, and the whole season, uh, really, uh, probably boosted, uh, his draft stock. Uh, but that's where I am on book. Um, and, uh, it'll be interesting, uh, to see. Yeah. And I think Nathan, what you said about quarterbacks, um, always getting pushed up the draft boards uh, is, I mean, just seemingly becomes more and more true with each passing, passing year. Uh, But I think, you know, anywhere from the fourth round on um, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, and not anticipating, but, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Ian book selected. Um, starting in the fourth round and you know there's probably you know a team that that makes that pick you know and you know as I alluded to I think he probably could end up being um you know being selected to essentially solidify a a backup position and so naturally with that you're probably going to be plenty of criticism around around a pick like that um but still you got a guy with the resume that Ian Book has um hard to to complain all that much i mean although you know i'm sure um nfl fans are 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 gonna do that regardless um all right <laughs> uh let's let's move on to the offensive linemen um and i guess we could start with uh well you kind of talk about them as a group um so heading into the draft everyone knows or, or at least it's been talked about plenty uh the streak that brian kelly has that every player who started at left tackle during his time at Notre Dame has gone on to be a, uh, a round one selection in the NFL draft. Um, and it's looking like that's likely going to come to an end this year uh, as Liam Eikenberg is at least on average being projected. Um, most places being projected somewhere in the, in the mid to late second round or even into the third round. Um, so we could start with him, or if you guys just want to talk about the the group as a whole, um, Andrew, we could start with you and where you think these a couple of these guys are going to end up. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see when um, kind of the run on offensive tackles starts to to happen. That could be kind of critical to where Eichberg ends up. Uh, ultimately, I think it'll be the second round, but where in that second round, uh, where he will go. Um, we'll kind of depend on that. I mean, you know, I guess you never know if, if a team really loves him at the back half of that uh, first round, um, I, that 
could be a possibility. I don't think that's likely. Um, and then I also, you know, think that for a, a guy like Banks, is another guy who I think has a ton of potential. Um, could he possibly um, even go off the board before Eichenberg? And I don't necessarily in that situation, I don't really think that Banks is going off in the first round, but I think he is another uh, probably second round pick. And then, you know, the guy who I think is going to be really underrated, uh, who's not going to be drafted uh, extremely high, probably, you know, anywhere between the third and fifth round is going to be Robert Hainsey. And he's not going to play tackle uh, at the NFL level. And I think he's either going to, you know, I've heard a lot about a lot about teams uh, having him at center, uh, possibly guard. But I see him as a guy who, um, of all the guys we talk about today, he will be uh, one of the few who is going strong uh, five years um, down the road uh, as a uh, NFL player. And then your, uh, your last guy there is, uh, is Kramer. Um, and I think he will probably be drafted somewhere day three, um, uh, probably at the very end of day three. I think that position flexibility, he's played tackle, he's played guard. Um, it could be useful for a team who's looking for a backup offensive lineman that gives them a lot of flexibility. And Nathan, how about you? What are your thoughts on the offensive line? Yeah, prospects? hard to argue. Um, with a lot of what Andrew said there. I mean, I think Eichenberg, um, you know, one team that really sticks out to me in the first round, um, if he were to go, is is the Colts. Um, they had a big presence at Notre Dame's Pro Day, I believe. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were both there. Um, obviously, Quentin Nelson's on that offensive line, and um, they, have a, they have a spot at left tackle um, with Anthony Costanzo um, retiring, I believe. I believe he retired. And um, so there's been a lot of talk of them taking an offensive lineman in the first round. Um, I know Andrew mentioned kind of when that run's going to start and just being a Bears fan and knowing that they need offensive line help, they pick at 20 um, right before the Colts. And I think there's a few teams right in front of the Bears um, that, and at least in mock drafts, I see offensive linemen going um, pretty much every time. So if, uh, if the if that run of offensive linemen or offensive tackles specifically starts in kind of like that middle first round, I think that that helps Eichenberg a lot in terms of possibly getting drafted there. Um, but I will say for selfish reasons, I do, I hope he falls to the second round so the bears can take him with their, uh, with their second round pick. Um, so he'd actually be a really good fit on the offensive line. Um, other than that, I mean, I will, um, I, I pretty much agree with everything Andrew said with banks, Hainsey and, and Kramer, um, one thing I'll say on Banks is I will pound the table for that guy every day. I think he is Notre Dame's best offensive line prospect uh, this year. And I think if he stayed one more year and played left tackle, um, he would have continued that streak of, of offensive of left tackles playing uh, or being in the first rounds. I really think he's that um, impressive of a player. And I think his film is being undervalued to an extent. Um, so anybody who takes him, I think, is getting um, a tremendous player, whether they decide to play him at guard or tackle. Um, and I think that will help him because I think there's some flexibility there as well. Um, and then Hainsey, I mean, pretty much echoing everything Andrew said with Hainsey. I mean, he, he had a lot of the same measurable and measurables and strength um, attributes that, that Zach Martin had. And he ended up going in the middle of the first round. And for whatever reason, Hainsey's just kind of – 
this guy that everybody looks at and says, okay, he's too small to play tackle. So he's going to move to guard. Maybe he's not the most impressive athlete overall, um, but he's just going to get the job done. Um, so whoever takes him in the middle rounds, maybe even I'm actually maybe even a little bit um, more um, pessimistic on where he'll go. I think there's a chance he falls to like the sixth or seventh round. Um, and then Kramer, same thing. I mean, he's going to be a late day three pick, I think, um, or, or even a UDFA possibly. But uh, I'm hoping that guys like Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer, who went unranked a few years ago, um, you know, having solid seasons this past year kind of helped guys like Kramer and Hainsey um, actually get drafted or drafted higher than maybe some people were thinking just because that it, it keeps just churning out the Notre Dame brings in offensive, t- offensive linemen, you know, whenever they're, whenever they're draft eligible, they turn out to be good players for the most part. So uh, I'm hoping those guys going undrafted a few years back um, and now playing well, you know, help the other guys in this draft to maybe, you know, m- move up a round or two. Yeah. I mean, you talked about quarterbacks getting pushed up draft boards. I think Notre Dame offensive linemen at this point deserve <laughs> to be, getting a little bump as well. Um, I, I think, I mean, and you guys touched on this a bit. Some of, some of these players like, like Hainsey and, and, and Kramer even, and even Banks to some extent, not only um, did they uh, play well uh, on Notre Dame's offensive line, but they also, uh, you know, they also have the ability to uh, play a couple positions along the line. And a guy like Hainsey who played most of his college career at tackle, but, is now being looked at as potentially their guard or even a center in the NFL. I think that flexibility for him, um, at least in my mind, should give him a little bit of a boost. But um, he's also, you know, he's not really, uh, I guess, because some of his measurables, probably not someone that a lot of teams are going to reach for. But, um, I mean, if he falls to, to day three, that's another guy who I think is just a huge value pick. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and then the guards, Banks and Kramer, both solid, solid players. I agree with you, Nathan, on on Aaron Banks. I think he's um, being uh, pretty uh, significantly underrated. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I guess if you're not, you know, one of those day one picks, um, I guess as long as you are getting drafted, I guess it's something to, to hang your hat on. And I think they these guys um, uh, following in the footsteps of some of the other great Notre Dame offensive linemen who are now performing well, in the NFL are going to uh, make, make a, a great name for themselves at, at that next level. Um, but certainly going to be interesting to see where, where these guys all end up. Um, but I, I think both um, the fact that they uh, played at Notre Dame and also as, as we talked about some of their position flexibility should uh, help them out uh, a good deal. Um, let's move on next to uh, tight end. Um Brock Wright, who we talked about uh, his pro day a little bit, um, is most likely going to be uh, undrafted. Although, um, man, I, I just you know, and there was some talk after his his pro day about how um, you know the, some regrets on him not being as utilized in Notre Dame's offense. Uh, and I, I mean, to some extent, that's it, just kind of like the nature of playing at a school like Notre Dame, where they recruit tight ends so well. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty intrigued to see, you know, I, I think he's probably get, has a great chance of getting uh, signing a deal as a, as an undrafted free agent after the conclusion of the draft. Um, 
And I'm, I'm super intrigued to see if he's able to um, kind of carve out a decent career for himself at that next level. Um, but let's talk about Tommy Tremble, who is likely going to be somewhere in the middle rounds of the draft. Uh, I know a lot of people were hoping he would return to Notre Dame for his, for his senior season, but he just uh, opted to uh, declare for the draft early. Um, and Andrew, we could start with you here. Uh, where do you see Tremble ending up? Yeah, Tremble is one that that is uh, is very difficult to really figure out because um, there's a lot of things going into it. I think I think t- teams probably realize the potential that he has uh, going along with uh, how good he is as a um, run blocker. Um, the other aspect of it I think is important is, all right, so is, is this guy, is he going to exclusively be kind of like in an H back role? Uh, is he going to be an inline tight end? Um, because he's best when he's kind of on the move um, and less um, inline. I think he can do both at the next level. Uh, so ultimately I think he is probably uh, a third or fourth round pick. I think that's where he'll go. Um, and I really, I, I honestly could see him going either way from there. Um, you know, I think you can make arguments, you know, Hey, this guy has the potential to be your uh, top tight end um, who can do everything for you. Or you can say, Hey, this guy, is you know a dominant run blocker who really hasn't proven it in the passing game uh so i really see it going either way yeah uh trembles yeah definitely a weird evaluation i think overall i mean he he has the the look of like an evan ingram you know big slot type of tight end but then he didn't really get to showcase that enough at notre dame so he he's a guy that i think almost to a certain extent, his flexibility or at least the possibility of his flexibility almost hurts him because you don't know if he's going to end up just being a, almost a fullback or a glorified fullback or or if he's going to be able to be a guy that can split out wide and, you know, obviously be a terrific blocker, you know, in the slot, but but also, you know, catch some passes and, and be a dynamic weapon out there. Um, I tend to lean towards the fact that he can be you know, a really, or at least just a solid pass catcher um, if you want to utilize him that way, or if he ends up in a, you know, in a Kansas city type of offense or a San Francisco type of offense where they utilize their fullbacks, um, you know, as pass catchers and stuff like that, he could be sort of that and a tight end at the same time, which would be sort of interesting. Um, And ironically, both of those teams have really good tight ends to begin with, but um but no, I mean, and, and the other thing that I think is interesting the most about him is I've seen a wide range of opinions on which what tight end number he is in the draft. I've seen some guys that I trust um, almost more than, you know, any other draft expert say he's the second best tight end in the draft, which, you know, you'd think, especially with the number one tight end in the draft this year being probably a top 10 pick, you know, puts him in that second round range. But then I've seen mock drafts and, and other, and other people that have him like in the fifth or sixth round, just because maybe he didn't show enough on tape um, outside of blocking. And so he really has a weird range for me. Um, I could see him going honestly anywhere from early, early day two to, you know, fifth or sixth round, um, you know, just kind of where teams, 
decide to place him. And then, you know, sort of like, sort of like Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa, but on the, on the offensive side of the ball, um, you got to have a role for him. If you, if you just draft him and say, we're going to put him on, you know, just put him in line and, and do that. Then I don't know if you're going to necessarily utilize his, um, abilities and really you only saw what he did at Notre Dame and you're saying we're pigeon we're pigeonholing him into that um, but if you're a team that wants to be creative with him um, that might be a team that drafts him a little bit higher and and you see him having actually a more defined role even as a rookie I'm curious if the fact that uh, the top tight end in this year's draft is Kyle Pitts out of Florida and I'd be curious to, to know if that really has any effect um, and I guess general trends in, you know, offensive systems that we see in, in the NFL. Um, But, you know, teams like looking for more athletic tight ends um, to utilize in their offenses, if that really kind of is inflating um, his stock a bit. And I guess I, I mean, he, he does definitely has like a wide range where I could see him realistically being drafted. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you both make great points, and, and Nathan, especially what you were saying um, comparatively to, to Jeremiah Usukormo, where, you know, you really have to, um, I guess, be, be flexible in your offensive scheme or have, like, a role ready for, like, this new type of, you know, call it, like, whatever you want, just like a hybrid tight end position, um, because that's where you're going to maximize Tremble's potential. Um yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting to see where he ends up. And I do think, I mean, even like worst case scenario, I think Tremble could make an NFL roster as a um, as a player on like a special teams unit alone. Um, just because, I mean, we've seen guys from Notre Dame, uh, you know, Brian Pauline's been utilizing plenty of the starters in their special teams unit. And just a guy like Tremble, who's just like, uh, you, know, see, you know, you see him sometimes going out there making blocks like, like an absolute psychopath um, and just got a, a, an insane motor um, and uh, just loves contact. So just uh, his pure energy alone, I think he could, he could make uh, a career for himself in the NFL being just purely a special teamer. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen because I think he's too athletic um, and uh, could be used as um, a, a weapon in, in the modern NFL offense. Uh, but still, I think he is a guy who's got definitely a ton of upside and, Similar to some of these other players we talked about, um, if he does fall to some of those later rounds just because teams are like, eh, we don't know really how to utilize him, he's going to end up being a guy who's just um, a, a huge value pick. Um, so, yeah, all, all good stuff, fellas. Um, before we wrap here, is there any other there are any other players that you want to talk about? Um, I guess the only other guys we didn't specifically touch on, uh, the wide receivers, Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek, but – I think, at least in my opinion, I think both those guys are, are UDFAs. Um, is there anything you want to, to touch on about those guys? I think with um, with both, I mean, Skoronek, I think, didn't really have an opportunity to showcase himself specifically after the season. Um, you know, he gets hurt, and then he doesn't really get to do much at the Senior Bowl and doesn't do anything at, um, you know, doesn't do anything um, at, at the Pro Day. Uh, for the most part as well. So he's a guy that I think coming at coming into Notre Dame um, as a grad transfer, I thought he had an opportunity to, to get drafted, you know, somewhat late, um, you know, as kind of like a, 
you know, sort of how we were describing McKinley possibly being that Boinkin or Claypool type that really just demonstrates a really good um, or you know maybe some more athleticism than, than most people thought. Um, that's kind of the guy I pegged for that if he had the opportunity to, but but without him being able to, I think he's going to be a probably undrafted for sure. Um, and then the and then with McKinley, I was a little shocked that he with his height. I mean, he came in under six foot or I mean, under six one, I should say, which surprised me a little bit, just the way he plays. Um, but it's also almost a compliment to an extent. Um, but then you mentioned, you know, with his with his four five seven being under six one. Um, you know, you wish you, you wish he runs a little bit hard, uh, faster than that. So, um, you know, maybe McKinley sneaks into like the sixth or seventh round, but I would say probably undrafted as well for him. How about you, Andrew? Any thoughts on those? Yeah, guys? no, I, I completely uh, agree with that. I actually have a, a question uh, for both of you. Um, so, if I gave you guys an under over of seven point five for all of the uh, prospects drafted uh, this year, what would you take the under or the over? Uh, go ahead. I, I'd go over. I, I, I think right now I'm betting on, I would bet on eight. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. And, and Nathan, you can go ahead and we can kind of like run through, I guess, who, who we think are, are most, most likely locks. Well, I, but yeah, I go ahead. If we're just talking like actual locks, I mean, obviously, Owusu Kormo is one, Eichenberg's two, Banks is three, Tremble four. Um, and then I would say that the two defensive ends are both locks. So that'd be six. Um, I think Book is essentially a lock. That's seven. Um, Hainsey would be eight for me. And then from there, I think it's going to be pretty hard for one of those other guys not to get drafted, whether that's Kramer, whether that's um, McLeod, um, one of the, one of the wide receivers, um, you know, I, I think pretty much, I mean, so eight, eight and a half, do you say seven and a half or eight and a half? I, I said seven and a half. Yeah. I was trying to, uh, yesterday I was trying to figure out like where, you know, where that line would be. I think it would either be seven and a half or gotcha. eight and a half, eight and a half in that range. Think, but yeah, I, said I think seven, seven and, a half. and a half for me has to be over. Cause I, I really think that there's probably, <laughs> I think there's eight locks that, I mean, maybe that's a little bit too positive um, on my end, but I, I have a hard time seeing someone like Hainsey and, and book not getting drafted at least late. Um, and I know I'm a little bit more optimistic on the defensive ends. So um, yeah, I think that those got those eight are, if they're not, if it's not a hundred percent a lock, I think it's very close to, and then, and then the, if those guys are not, if those close two locks don't get drafted, then maybe someone like Kramer or McLeod gets drafted to replace that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, I think if you were going to set a line, seven and a half is, is the right number. Um, because you know, as we, as we talked about, as we went through these guys, there are some players who have kind of like a, a, a wide ish range, you know, where they do have like a higher ceiling of where we could see teams selecting them somewhere uh, in the middle rounds, but they also have a lower floor where, where they could go undrafted. So I, I, I think that's the right number. Um, what would you say, Andrew? Are you on the, I think I'm on the over side? as well. I, I kind of tend to agree um, with uh, Nathan. Um, you know, it's, it, 
you feel pretty good about a lot of them, you know, uh, about seven or eight guys. And then you feel like there's a couple maybes on there. So that's kind of how, why I would feel like it's, it's the over. Um, but uh, it, w- it would not shock me um, if it was the other direction as well. Um, but I, so if I, but if I was putting money down on it, I would take the over. Fair enough. Well, all right, fellas, thank you for taking the time to to join the podcast today. I think we got some some really great conversation, um, and hopefully we can have you back on the podcast sometime in the near future. Thanks for having us, Jack. Thanks you, Jack. Our thanks again to Andrew Hall and Nathan Erbach for taking the time to join the podcast today. If you aren't already, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Slauncher Out podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, go Irish.